and, and, and sports too. Sports was a great way to, to, to do that, you know, where everybody's angling and striving and, you know, networking behind the scenes. And you're a kid, you don't know how important people's parents can be and who they are and all the their resumes and all the things that, that, that dictate your access and opportunities in life. But when you're out there playing sports, it's just you against the other guys. That was Alex Maxa, the man behind the wheel at Gilly Bus. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. Gilly Bus is a bus rental service located here in San Francisco. Think of it as a party bus, but for grown-ups. It's every bit as much culture as it is a good time getting you from point A to point B. In this episode, Alex shares his life story. It's a long, layered one that includes two journalist parents, one of whom called Larry Flint a friend. Please listen all the way through on this one to hear a special message from our friends at KQED's podcast, Right Nowish. Here's Alex. So the buses have been in and out of Vernal Heights for, you know, a decade. Um, and uh, when they're not on Treasure Island, you know, sleeping. Um, and yeah, I'm a guy who came to San Francisco with just kind of an open mind. Um, and you know, a good amount. That's a good way to come here. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. No agenda. Real agenda or plan yeah. Besides, yeah. besides, hey, let's this is for for the for the first time in my life, which is not true, but I felt that I was, you know, I was going and doing me. You know, yeah. I was, yeah. I was. No, nobody, nobody suggested I go go to San Francisco. Nobody uh, wrote me a letter of recommendation. Uh, you know, I didn't apply to anything. I didn't have a. I, I did have a job lined up, but it was in Napa. Mm -hmm. um, and I had a place lined up, but it was in Vallejo and I didn't get it till I was halfway across the country. So, and somebody else got it for me. So, um, my roommate, um, it wasn't, it I, wasn't the book of your life in other words. And you're like, okay, it, chapter three. I, I think it, it, in a way it was though, because I came out to San Francisco in the summer of 92 and the summer of 93 huh. with my dad and my sister, um while she was looking at colleges up and down the coast and she couldn't make her mind up so she went we went back you know another summer and i loved it mm -hmm. um but we'll talk about I, that for sure first time yeah i loved yeah. it and 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 you know i was born in 83 so i was 10 years old and i had we had some good family friends in sf you know i had a, literally a san francisco mom um mm. you know she didn't have any kids she and her husband didn't have any kids and they had a big place and um you know she just she just took care of us when we were in town. Right. Um, and uh, so, so I fell in love with it. The issue, I love California, but we went from San Diego up to SF the first time and just kept getting better. Mm -hmm. And with San Francisco, um, I went back to the East Coast. Um, I was profoundly affected by the idea of the big one hitting. I said, what's the catch? Yeah. This is all too good to be true. Yeah. The cars are cool as hell. They're palm trees. The radio, the music on the radio is better. You know, when's the, the other shoe going to fall? <laughs> yeah, life in the backseat of like the Chevy Malibu rental car was just like phenomenal itself, like yep. better than at home. So, you know, it's just incredibly lame, but I got really into, I, I was always a mega jock, but by the time the mid 90s came around, I was obsessed with lacrosse and determined to use that to get into college because I didn't like trying in my schoolwork mm -hmm. as much. Mm -hmm. So that was going to be my ticket. And that really 
really condenses your options for college. Yeah. And right. I convinced myself that, you know, this is really what I wanted to do. And I, 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 I worked really hard at it. And, and so by the time it was college was over, I was like, what, 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 can I, can I live? Can I do what I want to do now? Because the sports thing by the end of high school was like over in my own, in my heart, you know? Right. Right. Um, but by then I kind of like made up my mind. I was on the East coast for four years. Um, and so when I, when it came to San Francisco, it was, it was a little bit, it, it's a little bit of like a, um, I see it in sort of cinematic narrative light of, you know, getting back together with something, getting back on track. Oh, um, yeah. I was sitting in a basement, you know, in Ithaca, New York, in my bathrobe alone in like March or April, still no idea what I'm going to do with my life when I graduate in a few weeks. And I, you know, my, my, my best friend growing up, my oldest friend, um, since I was two in DC was already living in SF. And I was, like, oh. I called him. And he's like, yeah, you absolutely need to be here. I know you very well. You know, we talk all the time, but with a group on email. So getting getting together one on one was a little bit different. It wasn't like we were catching up, right. but it was it was like solicitation. And, and he was like, come on out. Um, two uh, things, two things quickly. Ithaca is gorgeous. And did you go to Cornell then? Yeah, yeah, I went to hotel school. I was, I was oh, shit. very, yeah, I wasn't, college to me was not the most, I, I quickly became anxious about the fact that this seemed to be not the most productive use of my time vis-a-vis -vis preparing for my life, my <sighs> next life. Right. Um, what was the point of this? So I got real specific and, you know, focused and what is it vocational there? Okay. Um, but everybody else is for the most part, you know, has a family business. You know, there's like 800 kids in that program. A lot of them are, you know, their parents have hospitality companies that they're going to go into and, and mine didn't. So it really didn't, it really didn't, you know, make it that much. It didn't, it wasn't a magic bullet. Right. Yeah. So I didn't leave. But that there. makes that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, we'll get we'll get to it later. It but it, learning that about you makes a lot of sense. It does. I mean, you, it, what, I will say personally, you take care of your people. <laughs> I, I try. I mean, I try. I, I spend all my time. You know, I do a lot of the work with the reservations, maintaining the vehicles, making sure they're good and fun and safe. I would spend all my time doing the hospitality side of it. You know, little perks make it more high touch things to really like improve, improve the experience, but enhance it mm -hmm. um, and bring more fun and value, whatever you want to call to it. Um, uh, you know, more personal touch. Um, I like enhance but, better than elevate, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Everything's I, I, elevated. Yeah. It's, it's everyone else. It's everyone else. Everyone, everyone on there is pretty elevated, you know, yeah. without my help. So <laughs> exactly. But um, I, I think for me, it was it was like, and I think I wrote this in my like college essay, you know, my transition from sports to hospitality was very smooth, right? I love mm. the team aspect. I love mm. that kind of environment. It was a restaurant, mm. you know, is what 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 did it mm -hmm. and uh, the hierarchy there. And mm. yeah, I, I just wasn't the kind of person who was going to some kind of like coat and tie email related job like it just didn't make sense i didn't understand how grown-ups made money like yeah that, you know yeah. so and I, I i did not i did, i ran out of patience to school so there was no way i was going to go to law school or anything like that to like just you know 
I tried that. That was the whole idea of picking a program in undergrad, you know, is to like figure it out. So yeah, I left there with like, you know, in the recession. Um, yeah. And expectations were low, but my, for me, I guess, and a lot of, I had a lot of, you know, uh, there was a lot of coping because of that. Well, whatever, mm -hmm. but that, you know, I was ready to go. I didn't, I didn't like that excuse. Yeah. Um, and I really feel for the younger generation right now. Oof, um, yeah. I'm very angry on their behalf because yeah. whether you're a school, school kid right now or a right out of college kid, um, I think that you're getting shafted and you don't have much of a say in it. Um, For sure. I do. I do think they're going to figure it out and I think it's going to make them better people. Maybe that's just the yeah. optimist in me, but I'm like this level of adversity that these young folks are dealing with and I'm already seeing it. Yeah. Like, uh, it, yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not optimistic, but that's maybe <laughs> that's, that's maybe because of, you know, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm in Washington DC right now. And there's a, to me when I'm here, because I've grown up here, I spent so much time, you know, it's the kind of place where we all just want to speak to the manager, right? We all just want, <laughs> we're all just yelling into the <laughs> void, the TL, you know, the timeline or um, whatever. And here I am at the customer complaint center and like, <laughs> I'm not any more pow powerful than I was if I'm sitting anywhere else. And it right. just, it just, it just makes me, as someone grew up, who grew up here and really had his faith in the adults and the institutions and now seeing just how like nakedly, how the leadership, there's no there there. Um, it's breaking down. For you know, sure. it's really, it's really breaking down. Yeah. And I see that you see that you can go to any state anywhere and kind of see that. And then you come here and you have people who are just pretending like, you know, it's, it's like, it's, it's Hollywood for ugly people. And these people it's, are, these people are here, these people come to DC and they're ready to do their thing. And, and, and it's great. Cause they're here and they're climbing the ladder and the rest of us are out, are out there being like, hi, you know, like, I'm glad you guys are enjoying yourself. So I'm finally transitioned to this from inside the beltway guy who doesn't understand how the rest of the country works <laughs> and feels to the yeah, rest of the yeah. country who's, you know, like banging on the, the the outside the beltway, banging on the inside of the beltway. So totally, it's a, 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 what you were talking about. It's Nancy Pelosi and a dashiki. <laughs> okay, wait, sorry. This is all great stuff. Can we rewind though? Yeah. Okay, let's start. And like I said, this is totally this part is totally up to you as far as who and how many generations back you wanna you wanna go, but um. Tell me about your your ancestors and and how they ended up in DC. Maybe um, the story of how your parents met. Um, um yeah. Well, my dad is an army brat, and uh, you know his first language was like German. Um, oh. He was he was born in Cleveland, but he was you know a little kid in Heidelberg, Germany, playing the accordion. Um, my grandfather was a U.S. Army colonel, and um. You know, he, he went to, they came back and he went to high school in the DC area, knew what he wanted to be when he grew up. You know, he was, a, he was the editor of his school paper and he, uh, so he came he, to DC as a result of your grandfather. Right. They, they, they were, they were at, you know, this base, that base or whatever. And my grandfather actually had a stroke, um, at a very young age, like 43. Oh, wow. And 
you know, took him out of commission. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that's why they weren't living on a base anymore. He wasn't like on active duty and they were, they were just living in the suburbs here. Mm-hmm. And he was going to... Um, Virginia or Maryland? Maryland. Um, okay. Walter Johnson High School. Walter Johnson was a uh, Washington Senators baseball pitcher. Imagine... Yeah, I know Walter Johnson. Yeah. Such a, like, I don't know many high schools that are like named after... You know, maybe Babe Ruth has one, but... <laughs> Maybe, right. maybe Ted Williams. I don't know, but I, um, so he, yeah, he, he went to high school and went to went to Ohio University, um, journalism school, and my mom. That's where my mom and dad met. She was from Toledo. Okay. Um, and Only Toledo. Yeah. So her parents, you know, my dad, my my grandfather, her dad, you know, worked in a spark plug factory. You know, was was yeah, was in a union, and they had you know a couple. And there's of a there's a connection to yeah. spark plugs. And, yeah. yeah. You know, both of them had one one sibling. You know, not, not big families at all. Okay. Um, but but yeah, they're more like you know, Toledo's a suburb of Detroit, so it's sort of mm-hmm. that sphere. When I think of oh, I think when a lot of people think of Ohio, um, you know, I've never really been to the big cities. Um, uh, and and Ohio University is not Ohio State University. Like, there's no I was gonna say, is Ohio is, University but... in Toledo? No, it's in it's in sort of like the Appalachian part of it's beautiful. My yeah. parents will be like, "Yeah, we never need to go, but it's beautiful." Right. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's 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 a it's a little tiny liberal college town in you know essentially that Appalachian that sort of Appalachian Rust Belt sort of corridor, um, but definitely southeast rather than like the, the northwest corner where where Toledo is and you know Detroit. So got it. Um, so they met almost halfway, you know, it's like all the way yeah. across that state and to get there from here, you know, probably about that, not, not too much longer of a drive. So, um, you know, they met there and, and, and they went, they went right to it. Like they, they skipped graduation and like got married in like probably on the way to DC, like yeah. at like Breezewood or something, which is like, <laughs> you know, Matt, you know, Breezewood, it's like the biggest truck stop interchange, yep. thing, you know? Like this wasn't some big wedding, um, and was your mom going to to Ohio University as well? Yeah, yeah, and she was a journalist too. So she, uh, um, I think, but I think I don't I don't know if she majored in that. So she, she and my dad hightailed it to D.C. and um, and you know my dad had worked here for a summer, but he got a job with the Washington Post as a reporter. Oh shit! Right out of 19... right out of college. Right out of right out of college. This is not, you know, but you know he. He should have because he was the editor of a of a reputable you know they have a good program there um, at Ohio University. Good job, Dad. And so he 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 you know Ben Bradley hired him. Um, I was just going to say Brent Woodward and Bernstein were probably still there, right? Well, they they were just yeah they were just getting they were just they were just getting there yeah. Um, oh, is this the seventies uh, then or this this was so they graduated high school in sixty seven so sixty eight sixty nine seventy seventy one so this is like 70. May nineteen seventy. Oh shit! This is right um, when yeah right post. you know like he was a Washington Post investigative reporter for ten years. Catherine the Graham and all that. Yeah, but you know he was from Ohio University, and yeah. I um, you know in in looking back as I examine my family history which i've been doing a lot recently i've had two years to sort of chill i've um been reflecting more as i spend more time here and as the parents get older mm-hmm. um yeah i i really see that era as you know my dad blasting off right out of school which is which is something that 
is, is kind of amazing. You know, definitely not what your average person's doing. And he, you know, came from, I, I would say, a relatively humble background. You know, mm -hmm. um, Bob Woodward went to Yale. Bob right. Woodward was in a secret society at Yale. Right, Bob Woodward right. worked for Navy intelligence. Right. Bob Woodward was an attache for generals who were going in and out of the White House and the Pentagon. Um, Bob Woodward got a job at the Washington Post because of all that. Mm -hmm. um, Connections. I think Bob Woodward got fed the story because of mm. all of that. Right. Um, I tried it. You know, my dad was with one of his journalism buddy, journalist buddies in SF the other day. And he goes, the other guy goes, Chris Barnett, he's he's great. You should have him on your story on your on your pod here. He is uh, been living in SF for like a long time and does a lot of local journalism and particularly saloons and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. we got to get him to Jillian's place. Anyways, they're like, yeah, man, can you believe Bob Woodward's still cranking it out? You know, he has a new book out. I said, guys, guys, you're, you're, that, 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 that's not, you're, yes, of course you can believe. That guy has been hooked up since 1960 something. So he has access and he's a mouthpiece for, he's, he's a stenographer for power. You know, right. give, you, give yourself some credit, guys. Like, you're, you don't, 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 don't wonder how he's doing it. You know, you're not mm -hmm. part of that club. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, we'd rather lionize that guy than actually do that. So, I am at a little bit of a, 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 a crossroads or um, a little bit of a, for the first time in my life, sort of coming to a different worldview than my dad's. Mm -hmm. um, even though my dad, I, I, I love him, respect the hell out of him. Um, his, um, his experiences back then, I think are, are like a lot of, you know, that generations where they, they went through it and they have a picture of it in their mind. And if you try to go back and go through it in a different way, it's really hard. Yeah. Um, so what kind of journalism was your dad doing when he got hired at the post? Political gossip and scandal. Um, oh. So he was, uh, you know, he wrote, um, he got pretty damn close to a Pulitzer. I think he was runner oh. up, uh, wrote a book, um, couple books one one i mean one was one was a great title i think it might be on the shelf here uh, um what was it a public trust to private lust you know, a congressman <laughs> yes. from, a congressman from ohio who was um you know busted for paying off paying a, a woman to be a secretary and she gets up on the stand and she goes i don't know even know how to type oh god you know she's like 21 and he's like 50 something and he's married wow. So, you know, he did a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, What's your dad's name, Alex? Rudy Maxa. Rudy Maxa, okay. Rudy Maxa. Um, yeah, a couple books. Um, he was sent to, um, everyone's pretty pretty much favorite story is that the, when Larry Flint published, you know, Topless Pictures of Jackie O and Hustler, his editor was like, you're from Ohio, right? I mean, this was in, I think Larry was in Kentucky, but the editor was like, you're from Kentucky, right? My dad's like, oh, yeah, we'll cover this guy. He sounds pretty interesting. So I became like best friends with Larry Flynn. Okay. Um, and so Uncle Larry and Althea would, you know, come to our house and like stay at our place when he was going to the Supreme Court to raise mm -hmm. hell. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, there were some glory days there. And I, I, that's, I have that, that Instagram post from when Larry died last year that I 
I'm trying to follow up with a, a bust that's going to be very, very dedicated to him. Awesome. Um, is your dad in the movie? He's not in the movie, um, which is a good thing. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I think overall, like, it's not, it's not like I, it's not like Larry didn't like the movie or we don't like the movie or anything like that. It's just like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that that didn't happen to our family in any way, shape or yeah. form. My sister was like, my sister's seven years older and she was much more aware of this era. And when that movie came out, you know, she was, she was like, oh, are we, you know, but really? yeah, I think, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's like, yeah. So, I mean, he, they were, they were real tight till the end. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I did like you, your dad would consider Larry Flynn a friend. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was, yeah. he would go and stay with him in LA when he was staying, when he would go to LA until, until recently it became a little um, disruptive when my dad is trying to like work and Larry is having his buddies over to play blackjack and you know, the palm shows up with a truck full of steak and lobsters and there's guys outside with submachine guns guarding the place. Right, to make sure that, right. Yeah, my dad's like, I'm That's, just trying to get work, trying to get work. Right, done. right. You know, and, and Larry wants to fly to Vegas. And and um, and so, yeah, my dad was was a really big backgammon player. Okay. And so um, that's what in the 70s he was he was doing a lot of um, uh, side work from his Washington Post gig. Um, hosting radio shows you know he was he would cover for um he like john mclaughlin had like a massive radio show but then he went to tv and he had all these guys come onto his show like five dudes the mclaughlin group that freed mm -hmm. up like five hours of eight radio time on a right. saturday and they right. and, and they called my dad they're like can you just fill this prime time and his his first show was christmas day i think one year in the 70s and he just opened up the call lines and just had you know some crazy people calling in. I mean, Jay Leno would call, you know, comedians would call, would just call in. Celebrities would call in. They'd be coming through town. There was no internet back then. How do they get exposure? Right. So um, that kind of thing was, was pretty, um, he was busy and still found time to, you know, do pretty well on the side at a game that I forgot how he learned it, but I love it. It wasn't my mom's favorite thing in the world, but she couldn't really complain too much because, you know, yeah. they could buy a new color TV. Uh, and, and my mom was doing, um, you know, whatever she could, she shows up and she wants to write feature stories and she was, she got a job, at the Washington star, which is now defunct, but there were three big papers, the post, the star and the times, mm -hmm. uh, the times being the Washington times. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, so she, they said, okay, you want to write features, go write, go write about sports. And she goes, well, I don't know anything about sports, but I'll do it. <laughs> she was interviewing everybody in the seventies. Mm. Um, John Madden just died the other day. She interviewed John Madden. She flew out to Raiders training camp in like Santa Rosa right after they won the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. And she sits down and she goes, you know, coach, you know, there's just nobody here. Like, where is everybody? You know? And he's like, well, what do you mean? She's like, well, in DC, you know, getting an interview with the coach, you got to, you know, elbow your way in. Um, anytime he's giving a press conference, um, which you just did here at training camp, there's, there's 50 people around. And, you know, they cover the, the coach of the Washington Redskins like he's the president. Right. And, and John Madden says, looks at her and says, yeah, it's totally different out here. You know, we take it really seriously. We have a very intense owner, you know, Al Davis. Davis, yeah, yeah. But the only message is the game. Oh. Um, and so. Different culture. completely. Yeah, very different culture. Yeah. Um, 
And what was your mom's? What is your mom's name? Uh, she was she, she. My parents divorced in the early eighties. Oh, okay. So she was Kathleen Maxa, M-A-X-A, too, um, and uh, that was you know something she was doing up until um, you know the early the early mid eighties. The sports thing I think was was kind of over by the se late seven. You know she 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 finally established herself so she could write other features. You know she wrote okay. she wrote a bestseller called um, the Prize Pulitzer, which was about Roxanne Pulitzer. Roxanne Pulitzer married into the famous Pulitzer family in West Palm Beach, and there was a massive um, uh, tabloid divorce mm -hmm. um, in the early 80s that captivated the nation. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember reading like Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas in high school or something. And at the beginning of that copy of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas was a couple Hunter S. Thompson magazine pieces. And one of them was like how he flew down for the trial and was oh. like doing a bunch of, you know, cocaine and driving around like out of his mind in a convertible, like, and like tangentially discussing the assignment that he was down there to do. Sure. Um, but, uh, <laughs> and that gave me a sense of the gravity of it because I didn't understand it. Uh, my sister read the book that came out, I think in like 88, seven. But it was, you know, she ghost, she, she wrote it, it was like Roxanne Poulter with Kathleen Max. And I think that they both like girled out over the fact that they were both divorced, you know, and, and had a story right, to tell. Right. So um, it was a big deal, but I wasn't conscious of it. And, um, and you know, she's not like proud of it because it's just such a sleazy, like, look, you know, she doesn't, yeah. she doesn't walk, we don't walk around, there's no like gold records, but books framed in our house. Like nobody's telling war stories from back in the day. Like it's- right. It just happened. So, um, so you she, came around. Sorry, oh, sorry. In 83, 83. Yeah, I was born in 83. 83. And then, did you did you grow up between your mom and dad's houses, or like what? Yeah. Um, you know, I was. Or were they? How like how long were they together after you were? So born? I I don't remember them being together. So by the time ah. I kind of came to, there was a moment where I did remember. Like they had a whole other life before me. Like my right. godparents and all that um, was, you know, my sister was born in 76. And so between 76 and 85, you know, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, the, the neighborhood they lived in was, um, you know, a, a lot of was, 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 you know, bustling with, with like-minded people and, and, and journalists and my godparents, which are, one of one of them is is a pretty interesting case. Um, it were were part of a group that um, weren't around by the time the ninety by, by the time I was by the time I was like f a teenager fighting with my mom about how I was spending my time with who. I was like, you know, what happened to all your friends? Right. You know, what happened to like your scene? Like, how come I how come I seem like I've spent you know you don't have any friends? You know, which wasn't true, but like you know, our, they aged out of that world. And so by the time I was like six, um, my stepdad had come into my life and um, he, his name is Arthur and he, I, it's like, it's like I have three parents, mm -hmm. you know, my sister feels the same way, um, mm -hmm. even though she was, you know, older, but for me, it was like, he was there, you know, from right. the beginning. Right. Um, and my, my, everybody gets along great. You know, my stepdad and my dad have always gotten along really well, like, you know, arguably better than anybody gets along with each other otherwise in in marriages in our family you know it's like it's like they're fam they're famously buddies when it comes to everybody managing all of this so yeah I would, split, I would split time um and they're very different so maybe it makes it easier 
but um, I would do, you know, all week at my mom's and every other weekend at my dad's um, divorced dad, kids dinner during the week. Um, he'd come to all, <laughs> he'd come to all my games. Um, awesome. uh, and it, you know, they do their parent teacher conferences together. Um, I was I'm just like really lucky, really spoiled, really shielded from all that. I take credit for as a child from a broken home, but I really didn't earn those stripes. It's, it's well, stolen. It, it's stolen valor. I didn't see, see the fighting and the, you know. Did having was, a sister was, seven years older help with that? You think, or like, what was your relationship um, with her? Well, I mean, hey, it gets better. She doesn't resent the hell out of me for you know <laughs> basically becoming my mom's singular focus when she sort of retired. You know, my parents were both working, going through a divorce. My sister's growing up. My dad's out of the house, right. um, and um, suddenly. You know, she gets a hand-me-down car when she's 16. You know, the Ford Escort, the oh uh, yeah, uh, you know, like the, the hood 84 Ford Escort. The from my dad's girlfriend, longtime girlfriend. You know, the hood pops open when you're driving down the road. I got a brand <laughs> new, I got a brand new car when I was 16, or the family right. game that I that I had access to. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm glad she does. I'm so grateful that you know she's a wonderful, gracious person who understands. Never uh, resented, yeah. never resented. Yeah, so, so awesome. all, all, that's, all, that's a big all, person. Yeah, I know, I know. She's she's the best. Um, yeah. I think she really is the glue that keeps everything together. Um, she's got two little kids. She's or not little, eleven and and twelve or eleven and thirteen, um, that keep her pretty busy with her husband. Um, okay. So I I know she doesn't feel like she's totally involved with home life in DC and, and, and all that. But without her, would, I, I, do, I get a lot of strength from her, you know? Would you say you, you and her, when you were growing up, were you close? No, because of the age gap. Yeah, that's um, a big but, one. But, 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 but I was, I mean, I, I wanted to be close. Um, you know, she was nurturing until I became annoying, um, I'm sure. <laughs> but I always looked up to her, um, which is why I never, um, you know, uh, once you're getting teased and picked on or bothered and you swear as soon as you get, you know, your aunt is whispering in your ear that when you don't worry, when you're bigger, you're going to be able to beat her up. <laughs> you know, I didn't have the guts to pull the trigger when I finally had the chance, you know, I never pushed that. I never got older and, and did anything besides want to just be her personal slave, you know? Okay. Um, when she came home from college, you know, everyone says, Oh, you know, you, she, my dad was telling me the other day, she'd be, she'd be sitting there watching TV and she'd think she'd leave something on the third floor of the house and she'd ask me to run up and get it. And I'd run up there and get it. Like you know, just, so boom. I yeah, want to be yeah. part of the club. You know, I want to be part of the club. Her cool. Um, yeah. You know, her world was cool. Uh, her, her style, everything. Um, and then she promptly went to, to college in 94, went in New York City and like never, not never, but like, was not coming home you know was that was not, it. right right she you know, needed to like, cut it and just be gone yeah she had to get the hell out of the house and she had to become um, her own person right she had to become her own person um you know moms and teenage daughters can be tough um you know i think that uh i do remember instead of it going through a divorce i just went through them fighting which was a little bit tough mm -hmm. um and i am glad that she was able to get that that separation also my dad you know wasn't far away with his his apartment which had plenty of room for us if you know we could go whenever we wanted you know so mm -hmm. she, she had that outlet um but yeah she became a new yorker like just didn't look oh, back um cool. and was there for like 14 years so you know so what kinds of things you had mentioned earlier you're into lacrosse and sports what kinds of things i want i want you to talk about that but um what what other kinds of things were you into as 
like let's say a teenage kid in growing up in the DC. Oh, universe. my first word was legitimately bus. Okay. So that okay, is, that is a nice bit of lore. Yep. Of Gilly Bus lore. Um, and yeah, I was you know I was I was a pretty typical little boy from the standpoint of like I was a Lego maniac. Um, you know, loved, uh, loved, um, you know, transformers and stuff. Um, but yeah, I got started playing soccer, like right away. All my friends were on the soccer team. My dad's friend was the coach. Um, I went to this really, my sister and I both went to this really weird, this is a very DC thing. Our, our elementary school was in this beautiful mansion in the city with this expansive playground. That was just a dream come true. And um, it was called the, it was called NCRC. Hmm. And it was every, like every other little preschool you can imagine with all the trappings, except NCRC stands for National Child Research Center. Oh my God. Yeah, it sounds like wow. some kind of, it's, it's, it's sort of like, it's, you know, and you know, they're, they're, they're observing you through, through two-way or is it one-way glass? I was gonna say it you sounds know. like the, it sounds like the kids show up for school and they plug in, them into things. Yeah, it sounds like the Resident Evil house mansion with a giant <laughs> lab underneath it. It, yep. it, 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 it. It's pretty. It seems like some kind of you know MK Ultra uh, adjacent um, <laughs> operation here for you know upwardly mobile striving boomers who've moved to town and want to put their kids on the pathway to um you know taking over the world because all my <laughs> friends parents everybody that we grew up with moved here nobody was like oh i'm from dc you know fifth no one, generation right. or yeah. even second like everyone moves here and it's a rat race right. um in ncrc getting your child into ncrc Maybe it's not getting him in. It's just making sure that you know about it and putting him there. Um, and and going through that was sort of like the first step in optimizing, you know, mm. everything so that we're going to succeed. And my yeah. sister went first and she used to tease me. She's like, well, you know, um, you know, I saw your report cards and, and you know, they, they, they analyzed your handwriting and they said you're going to be a serial killer. <laughs> and, and so my first my first bout with school was in this really weird place that I loved, but you know maybe was a psyop. So, <laughs> it, 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 and it still exists today. It's of still there. It it's of still course. there. And I think now it's not as. I mean, now it's like, well, of course you'd want your kid to go to like you don't just want to go to daycare. You need to go like learn how to be a CEO. Mm -hmm. um or whatever we need mm -hmm. to figure out exactly what your strengths are when you're three or four so that we can um focus specialize on that yeah so that, that was that was step one in dc um and and sarah my older sister also also went through that um as well so by the time i'm you know i still have best buddies you know i'm gonna go see my friend later who who is part of the the program um and uh i still have a lot of my, my friends, I'm very, my, my relationship to DC is really based on not just my parents, but my friends, my group of friends that even if I met them in middle school or high school, they joined a group that was together since nursery school. Mm -hmm. um, so that separates me from a lot of people, but also my sister, she doesn't have, you know, that, 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 that history that she doesn't have, she doesn't still have those relationships with her, with her friends. So, you know, call it arrested development, um, or whatever, but uh, it's one of 
the things that does uh, not, I don't have an entirely black crusty heart when it comes to DC. Um, it, I have a lot of fond memories and growing up with, with this group of guys was what allowed me to ignore and um, all the parents and all, all the noise. Right, you know? right. And, and, and sports too. Sports was a great way to, to, to do that, you know, where everybody's angling and striving and, you know, networking behind the scenes. And mm -hmm. you're a kid, you don't know how important people's parents can be and who they are and all the their resumes and all the things that, that, that dictate your access and opportunities in life. But when you're out there playing sports, it's just you against the other guys and yeah. girls with the ball. And, you know, you can, you can, you can, you can talk that you can walk the walk. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, so I really enjoyed that. It made me friends. It strengthened the relationships and it made it a lot easier being a new kid. If you're, you know, going from one school to the other, you know, so that's, that's one of the few things that I'm like, okay, that was just me. You know, my mm. parents were great at putting me in that. My mom like was phenomenal at, at, you know, the former sports writer, you know, right. I could talk about it at, in the, after, after the game, even though I was pissed off with her, she wasn't going to ask me like, she wasn't going to use the wrong term and say some annoying like milk toast thing that was going to piss me off. You know, she she can do some decent analysis. You know, she nice knew what she's it. talking about. Yeah, it was like yeah. it wasn't like having a little league dad. It was like having you know a pee wee soccer mom who you know <laughs> was, was willing to sort of be in your corner. It's nice, you know. Cool. Um, my dad was cool as hell when it came to to you know taking me to everything and cheering and all that, but. Um, there's only room for like one of those people in the family who's sort of really into the sports. I think more than yeah. that is just way too much. Yeah. Cause it's a lot. You gotta have some balance. He was sort of like teaching me other things, right? This is, you know, he's single essentially. I mean, he had a lot, a lot of long-term relationships after my mom. He's a, he's a serial monogamist. He wasn't trying mm -hmm. to not be in a relationship, but you know, I was out with the adults when I was with him, right. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm at a dinner, I'm schmoozing, I'm, you know, meeting people who um i uh don't really understand uh, <laughs> why i should care but mm -hmm. um you know i'm there to impress i want to i i want to you know impress my dad I'm, I'm hanging with with my dad i'm i'm at the adults i'm at the, the adults table mm -hmm. um and uh by the time like the 90s roll around he got out of the the um let's call it the gossip and scandal business. So he did 10 years of the Washington Post, 10 years of Washingtonian Magazine as an editor. Um, he was a bureau chief of Spy Magazine, which I don't know uh, a lot of people remember, but it was I sort remember of like, spy. Yeah, 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 Donald Trump does not like Spy Magazine. Right. Um, but, you know, he, he, he shifted out of that. Uh, I guess it was like Graydon Carter too. He shifted out of that and did start doing travel stuff. Like, okay. just, it's like, I'm a travel journalist now. I do radio, yeah. TV, like I'm on NPR, I'm on Marketplace um, regularly. Uh, I'm traveling, um, you know, I'm taking your sister to Egypt. We're going to Morocco. We're going to France. We're going to, you know, wherever. And then it was my turn to go with him, you know, my turn to see the world. You know, it's, I was in, I was 11, 12, and we're going to, you know, Hong Kong and Thailand. Wow. And um, Sorry, how old? Uh, I was 11. I hadn't turned 12. It was June of 95. Well, I was wondering where this fit in with uh, your first trip to San Francisco, which I'd love to, to hear. That, about. that, oh, oh, right. So we just, we just went over that. We just skipped past that. So that was, that was, you know, dad taking the kids for a two week trip to look at these schools um, for my sister. And so okay. I was the third wheel. 
that was Alex Maxa. On the next episode of Storied San Francisco, Alex continues his life story for us. Part two drops Thursday wherever you listen to podcasts. And now, here's a quick word from the folks at Right Nowish. Hey, my name is Pendarvis Harshaw, and I'm the host of Right Nowish. It's an arts and culture podcast about the Bay Area. Every week, I talk to the cornerstones and the creatives in our community. The real message is that, like, we can take care of ourselves. Like, we got us. So it really represents, like, black and brown people moving into this digital, futuristic, technological space. We're, we're the land of the hustlers, so we're going to survive it. Check out the Right Nowish podcast. We'd love to keep you in the mix. Music for the podcast was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Original photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fourth season, we have more than 180 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can, please rate and review the show so we can reach even more folks. We love email, and we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, stay healthy, and we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcast.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.